This is a Stand Up Labs production, powered by digital media. This week on the 130th episode of the Mandatory Samson Podcast, it's just me and Joey. Matt is on jury duty. Chris, there's a bunch of impressions. We got Donald Trump. We got John McCain. Just stick around. Whatever. (laughs) It doesn't matter. Stick around. Hi, mandatory. It's Chris. It's Joey. Hi, everybody. No Matt today. Matt is doing his patriotic duty. He is at jury duty, Joey. Ooh, I hope he doesn't get picked and has to do that for a while. That's a good way to ruin somebody's summer. That'll be fun to get on a murder trial. Why not? That's probably not what it's going to be. Welcome to the program, everyone. We got a nice one lined up here today. We're talking Virginia shooting, Flint, Michigan, North Korea, and a bunch of quick hits in between. Very excited. We we actually are going to end. We've been doing these bonus episodes um, recently. But we're actually just going to do some emails at the end of the show today. Yay. Maybe we'll take a break or something after the main part of the show, but we'll get into some emails. We did have one clip we were going to play. We got a follow-up, actually, and I believe um, – let me actually see who it was from. But we're having we're, – we're in the, the diff, a different studio today. Mm-hmm. So we're a little off kilter. Um, and I got – a response from Ross, who emailed last week. He had the Seth Rich conspiracy theory question. Oh, okay. And he sent the clip of Assange saying it, like where it was first mentioned, oh. which is good because it provides context. And I wanted to play it and discuss it, but we're having a little bit of technical difficulty. We're in a different studio. My computer's missing a driver or something. I don't know. It's a whole nine yards. So we'll save that for next week. That's the only email that we'll have to save for next week because we don't have any other clips otherwise. So we call that, what, TD problems? No, it doesn't work. What is TD problems? Well, like touchdown or technical difficulties? Yes, technical difficulties. Yeah, TDs. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Unlike ED, which is what you have. Uh, Oh. Okay, it's fine. But we'll close the show with some emails. I actually want to start the show off with some email, uh, with with some email. What a dummy! With an email, and we're gonna do that right now. You want to get into it? Yeah, let's do it. This is gonna be a fun show, Joe. I feel like because it's it's just me and you doing it old school here, and we're just gonna have some good conversation. Yeah, I feel there's gonna be a rant coming today, so really with it. Yeah, from you. Oh well, I'd love to. Okay, well we'll all be surprised then. Uh, we got an email from Ian, and I wanted to to start with this. He says, "Chris, Joey, and Matt." Well, Matt's not here, but. Okay. I'm writing this as I am currently jumping up and down after hearing about the uh, McGregor-Mayweather fight. I typically write into the show to bring a political discussion, but I need to hear Chris's opinion on the fight. I can't stand Mayweather and would love for Mac to knock him out in the first round. What do you guys think? I know that Mayweather is going to be a heavy favorite, but do you think McGregor stands a chance in the ring? Thanks, guys. Thank you for writing in. As I guess most of the Samsonites know. I also produce UFC Unfiltered with Jim mm-hmm. Norton and Matt Sarah. It's great. Uh, we do that two times a week. And so if you want to hear me talk on that show and talk about MMA-related you know, UFC topics, you can listen there. But uh, I wanted to talk about this because it's very exciting. 
This Mayweather. What What are you clicking? It's super exciting. No, what are you doing? The mouse. You've been clicking the whole time. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm trying to get you ready for the episode, bro. It's super aggravating. Okay. Um, what do you think about the fight, Joe? Before I get into it, um, I think this is going to be great. It's great for for boxing. This is the match that's going to save boxing. Now. Well, all right. I'm going to disagree with you fights. because Mayweather is just going to eat Conor alive. This is a boxing match. He's out of his arena. I put 50000 on Mayweather. Wow. You're going to put 50000 on Mayweather. Mayweather opened at a plus 11, uh, excuse me, a minus 1100 favorite, meaning for every hundred, uh, you have to bet $1,100 to win $100. Connor is I'm a, not going to do that. Connor is a plus 700. So for every hundred you bet, you win 700 if Connor won. Can we, uh, my people are going to call your people uh-huh. because I, I want to put some money down. Okay. But you just said you were going to bet on Mayweather. I take it back. You, you know, I can't, I can't leave those odds, bro. Here. Oh, wait. If, if it's a decision, you get paid, correct? A decision is a win. A win's a win. A win's a win. Yeah. There's no ties in boxing. Mm, well, I mean, there's a draw possibility, but I don't think we're going to look at a draw. It's 12 rounds. I get my money back if it's a draw. Yeah. Okay, good. Here's what I think. First of all, I'm very excited about the fight. Conor McGregor and Floyd are going to put on quite a show, I feel like, leading up to this. Yes. August 26th is the fight in Las Vegas. Um, do I think... I don't really know much about Floyd Mayweather. Like, I've, you hear things that he, like, hits w- women or whatever. I don't know. I, what know? does that have anything to do with Well, Conor? because I, I'm just saying... You know, he goes, he hates Mayweather. I, I don't hate Mayweather. I don't really have it. Or he says, I can't stand him. I don't really have a particular disdain for Floyd Mayweather. I don't watch boxing at all. It's just not something I'm into. I, I only watch MMA as far as, like, combat sports mm-hmm. are concerned. Um, Conor McGregor has a chance. There, there's no question about that. First of all, it's two guys in a ring together, and they're both throwing punches at each other's heads. So it, there's always a chance in that situation. The... Granted, Floyd is considered one of the greatest ever, maybe the greatest ever, a very technically skilled defensive fighter, and the likeliest outcome is that Floyd wins the fight, whether be it a decision, maybe a knockout, but Floyd is not particularly known to be a knockout artist. He's more of a defensive fighter. I think he threw maybe 18 jabs against Pacquiao. When he fought Pacquiao, but he dominated Pacquiao yeah. in, in doing that. He, he stayed away from him. Pacquiao couldn't touch him, and, and that was how the fight went. Connor is 28 years old. Floyd is 40 years old. Hmm. Floyd has not fought in a few years now. Ooh. Um, Connor is in his prime, maybe uh, right before his prime. Connor is in great condition. And Connor McGregor has undeniable power. That is. Just a fact. Yeah. Uh, we were talking before the show, Mark Henry, who's a boxing coach in MMA. Uh, he trains Frankie Edgar and Edson Barbosa and Eddie Alvarez, who Conor McGregor knocked out in, at Madison Square Garden. And Eddie Alvarez is no joke. This is not a guy that gets knocked out easily at all. He's a very difficult out in, in mixed martial arts. Conor toyed with him, I mean, and really put him on the ground mm-hmm. a number of times, eventually knocked him out. Mark Henry said that Conor McGregor has a one-in-a-lifetime power in his left hand. You can't teach what Conor has. And he compared him to Babe Ruth in terms of his ability to throw Hmm. power punches. That sticks in my mind. Dana White, I listened to the conference call yesterday, 
said that Conor McGregor 100% believes he can win this, not can win this, that he's he going won't to win this fight. fight. Um, and Conor McGregor, for the most part, except for the loss to Nate Diaz, which he took on short notice, two weight classes above what he was fighting at, um, b- beats everybody, knocks everybody out. And so, yeah, there's a chance. I think early Conor has a chance. If Conor can clip Floyd early, um, he will hurt him. That's yeah. the thing. Like, Conor, if he connects like with a real punch he's gonna hurt you the question is whether he can catch floyd floyd's incredibly fast and like you said it's a boxing match and yeah Connor's it's not his ring. a boxer he's a he's a mixed martial artist so he trains in everything however he is known for his boxing skills he has boxed i believe as an amateur or even professional in, in ireland um so listen Whatever happens, happens. It's going to be an unbelievably fun build-up to that fight. The fight itself is going to be an unbelievable spectacle. Yep. And I would love to see Connor. Obviously, I'm rooting for Connor. That would be uh, just amazing to watch. Who do you think is going to win the PR machine? Because I, oh, I, I feel mean, Floyd is he's in his prime with that. He's got a mouth on him. Connor is undefeated as far as being able to talk shit. Uh, mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I mean, Floyd, I guess. I, again, I haven't really watched it, but... It seems like the promotional side of, of Mayweather, because we were t- we were saying again before the show, the fight is the fight. The, whatever happens there happens there. It's already locked in place. The buildup is where the money is made because the more you talk, the different shit that goes back and forth in press conferences, the face offs, all that stuff. T shirts, bro. I, I could see the t shirts now. Well, whatever. But I'm just saying in terms of pay per view buys and being able to get people to actually watch the fight. That's where the money is made, and so. You know, between the two of them, I think it's just going to be unbelievable. But based on the like the conference call, uh-huh. Dana White and the people at Showtime and Floyd's people, they're all on the same page. They, they it sounded like a they love see fe- dollar signs. Well, of course, it, it's a love fest on the phone because it doesn't really matter what the outcome of the fight is. Because if Connor knocks out Floyd, it's great for Connor and, and MMA. If Floyd wins, everybody goes, "Yeah, of course, Floyd was going to win." It's He's boxing. a boxer, and boxing's happy because no, gonna, I want people going to be watching boxing. Yeah, a lot of people are going to be watching it, and like you said, it could reignite it. Although I think that's already happened with Anthony Joshua and Klitschko, and and you know, um, who, huh? I'm just going to keep on saying who. Gennady Golovkin. And, You're going to say Nam Nam. Who? But anyway, who? point being, I think the fun is going to be incredible. Uh, the fight's going to be incredibly fun. I do think that Connor has a chance. I mean, I, it's crazy. Anybody that says Connor doesn't have a chance is wrong. And I'm also interested to see how Connor, what his game plan is and how he's going to choose to, like, his, what his style is going to be. If he's going to be in a pure boxer stance mm-hmm. or if he's going to do this kind of lean back on his back foot, kind of drunken boxing karate style that he has in MMA, yeah, where he's sort of in and out and kind of paws at you because he is well known for his precision, his timing, and that enables him to knock people out and gives him a lot of power. Plus, the fight's being fought at 154 pounds. Conor McGregor fights in the UFC at 155 pounds. He was the 145-pound champ. He moved up. And he fought Nate Diaz at 170 pounds. Conor's going to be the much bigger fighter going yeah. into this fight. He'll weigh in at 154 pounds. He might walk into the uh, the cage at, you know, into the ring at 160 pounds. You know, you yeah, don't that know. Sounds about right. So, again, Floyd uh Connor's going to have a, a size advantage which all plays into his um advantage. Yeah, his advantage or, or his potential opportunity to win the fight. And I don't want again, I don't watch boxing, but from what I've heard, Floyd does have a problem with uh southpaws and he trouble he's had in the uh, in I keep saying the octagon, but in the ring. Is against Southpaws, and Conor McGregor is a Southpaw with tremendous power in his left hand. So 
We will see, man, but it is going to be extremely fun. I'm very excited about it. And the sooner that that happens, the sooner Connor can get back into the octagon, which I really want to see happen. But who the hell knows? I mean, he's going to make a truckload of money uh, in this fight. So those are my thoughts on it. But obviously, you know, we're going to be talking about it more as it goes on. And like I said, we'll probably be discussing it on UFC Unfiltered, too. So. Yeah, it's it's very early in this uh, talking shit game. And I expect both people to bring their best. Oh, yeah. Well, I would expect Floyd to bring his absolute best. I mean, look, for Floyd, it's a great situation because in all likelihood, he goes to 50-0 and 0, um, and he collects $100 million. So that's going to be great. And Connor, whatever, he, he really has nothing to lose either. I think the likeliest outcome, honestly, uh-huh. for just is going the distance. I don't see Connor getting knocked out. You know, I, because if Floyd opens up against Connor, that gives Connor the opportunity to hit Floyd. Of course, there could be a speed advantage for Floyd. We don't really know what the situation is going to be there, but you know, it, there's a lot of variables. The, but we'll see what happens. Yeah. But it, it, again, I give Connor the opportunity to win this early. If he wins it in the first cut three rounds, if it gets past that, I think Floyd will get his timing, and it's you're dealing with a different animal because it's his yeah. realm. You know. Um, all right. That's what I got to say, Ian. Thank you for the question. I, I'm excited about it. I was very excited uh, to see that news yesterday. Joey, I wanted to talk about this because we're on the sports topic. I just wanted to touch on this for a second. Mm-hmm. The NBA championship, obviously, the Golden State Warriors lost one game all playoffs long. Yeah. They defeated LeBron James and the Cleveland Cavaliers in five games. They only lost one game. I, what, what did you think about the, uh, the NBA finals? I I'm not a basketball guy. Yeah. I didn't start watching until I saw the tweet, Cavs in seven, that uh, J.R. Smith posted and then took down quickly. Yeah. And so I started watching because I was hoping that LeBron could do it, do something that no other man has ever done in basketball, go down three games to none and come back to win it. It's been done in hockey. It's been done in baseball. And I thought if anyone could do it, it would be LeBron James. And he failed me. Well, listen, I mean, again, as somebody that does not, I mean, I really have no interest in basketball at all, and I'm going to talk about it in a second. But from what I understand, just seeing some stats and whatever, LeBron did everything he could. In fact, him and Kyrie Irving basically set NBA Finals records for points scored by teammates in a loss, 77 points or something. LeBron averaged a triple-double, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. throughout the play. So, like... LeBron did what he could do. I mean, I, I, you know, and I watched the last, let's call it 15, 20 minutes of the, uh, of game six and, or whatever, game five. Game five, right? Yeah. Um, LeBron looked good. I mean, he was the only player on the Cavaliers that looked like he was doing anything. He was spinning around people and fucking, you know, do, doing his thing. So t- credit to LeBron. I mean, I don't think he could really do anything. I want to say this, though. I don't understand how people are entertained by that. First of all, Kevin Durant, fucking Steph Curry. Uh, I can't remember all the other names of the people. On the yeah, but the team is stacked. But they have this stacked team, as like I understand it. The team stacked more than the Lakers ever were, more than Chicago ever was, and even more than Miami when LeBron was part of the trifecta. Right. The Warriors are right. stacked more Which he's def- than that team was. He's defeated by his own strategy, essentially, right? I mean, Yeah, yeah just put the best people on a team and go. But I don't know why that's entertaining to people. I mean, I get it's because, you know, there's these extremely Asses talented players. in the seats. But I'm just saying, as far as a viewing experience, you, you have all of these great players out there, so obviously that's interesting to watch. But there was really no chance that anybody was going to beat the Golden State Warriors. Nope. And Kevin Durant, 
it, he's crying after he's hugging his mom. He's he, so he finally got his championship. He's been playing for how many years and never won. But that's what I'm saying. But how is that satisfying? Like, I, I, to me, it just doesn't make any sense that he would go to the... Like, it'd be... When LeBron and company won last year, that's amazing. Because yes. LeBron goes to a team that people aren't giving a lot of credit to at the time that he goes. They go, well, they got Kyrie Irving. They got some young talent, whatever. Yes, they have Kevin Love, as I understand it, is a good player, but he's not the same caliber as, like, a LeBron or, you know, a Kevin Durant. And so they win, and that's an, that's an amazing triumph. That's watching somebody really, like dominate a series when he wasn't supposed to. This And you also have to keep in mind in that series the Cavs were done down three to one. Right. And no, they I came know. back to win it. But that's what I'm saying. So that's amazing yes. to do that. This I don't know why people were like even entertained by it. Obviously the fucking Golden State Warriors are gonna win and I'm not to me it, as somebody that watches hockey and mixed martial arts, I'm not impressed by any of it, especially after it didn't seem, yeah, I guess LeBron was annoyed. Maybe it seemed like he might leave Cleveland or whatever. But, like, it just seemed like they were like, ah, whatever, you won, good for you. Like, like they're too familiar with each other. It doesn't seem like there's this intense rivalry built up between them. Yes, of course, they might dislike each other over the course of a series, but let's be honest, these guys are all fucking friends. They all hang out. They're, they're part of an elite um, fraternity there. Well, and I it just doesn't seem, like, when you watch a hockey series, yeah, they'll shake hands after, but... God damn, they're just short of taking off their skates and slitting people's throat during those series. It's as intense as it gets. And it's the same thing in MMA, uh, man. They, there's, Yeah, of course there's respect, but some of those fights, you really feel the intensity. Like John Jones and Daniel Cormier, they're going to fight July 29th. Mm -hmm. There's hatred there. I mean, they really don't like each other. And I'm not saying that they have to hate each other, but it just doesn't seem like there's much hate going on or much, um, I don't know, it just feels like a lot of guys just, well, whatever, you win this year, maybe we'll win next year. It doesn't matter, but they're all collecting $30 million a year. So it's, oh. it's I, I don't know. I'm just not into it. It just doesn't feel, um, just didn't feel intense to me or, or anything. I don't know. I, I wasn't into it. Well, the other thing I have to keep in mind, too, is when you say that it feels like they all know each other, well, they do, because this is the third time that these two teams have met in the finals. And that's the first time that that's happened. In 19 years, in a very, it might actually be the first time that's ever right. happened. Well, and that alone, I mean, that that's it's not entertaining. Like, you just know it's going to be those two teams all the time. And, right, but they play with each other on, uh, like, Team USA and all these other things. Yeah. Like, they're, they're always together, these guys. They're all American-born for the most part. Um, I don't know. It's just a weird thing to me. Okay. I would note that up. Let's move on. All right. Let's actually start the show we we have this virginia shooting so a lone gunman james t hodgkinson 66 years old opened fire on a group of congressional republicans while they held a baseball practice at a park in alexandria virginia early wednesday morning um hodgkinson died from gunshot wounds at the scene oh. and oh yeah I, I feel terrible for him and House Majority Whip Steve Scalise, who's a Republican from Louisiana, remains in critical condition. Are you kidding me? This is about people that are elected representatives that for some reason have to practice a game that most people didn't even know was going on. That happens for 100 years now. That both sides play each other in a baseball game. And somebody took an opportunity to stand out a fence and shoot at people. Yeah. And I, I said that guy died. And you're like, oh. I don't care that he's dead. 
He's a loser. That's a human being life. Well, it's sad, I guess, from that perspective, but the guy's an idiot. So He's an idiot for playing a baseball game? No, not Steve Scalise, you fuck. I'm talking about the guy that shot them. Oh, yeah. No. Hodgkinson's dead. No, goddammit. Of course not. Hodgkinson, the guy that shot them. Is dead. He's dead, but I don't care. Oh, okay. And no, Steve Scalise, of course, you feel bad for him. He's in the hospital. He's in critical condition. No, I'm not. Goddammit, Joey. Really? Why? Uh, No. Okay. Now, I want to say this. Democrats better be very careful. This this is before we get into any more commentary about it. And I have some quotes from Bernie and Trump. Okay. Democrats better be very careful about how they go about calling for gun control after this. That's all I'm going to say. Put it on the table, take away all the guns. And the Republicans need to start talking about gun laws as opposed to talking about some kind of like liberal, like that the liberals talked this guy into it somehow. Because a lot of times Democrats go after Republicans and go, well, it's the, 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 the rhetoric and Trump saying he wants to punch protesters in the face and all this stuff. And it, it creates a culture of violence, which I think is the case. There's going to be a lot of right wing now talking points about how the left is extremely violent and talking about that. And you know what? To a certain extent. You can point to the Antifa people. You can talk about some of the language. You can point to Kathy Griffin. I don't think that that actually played any part in this shooting. Oh, not at all. But but it is still a violent image against the president of the United States, who is a Republican. And I think that that's something that's got to be addressed as well. But, you know, I think the the real point here is there's a crazy person who freaked out and, you know, had a gun that he probably shouldn't have had because he's obviously crazy. Well, also, the other thing, too, is... Who the guy is was a part of Bernie's campaign, apparently, at one point, like, volunteered. or okay. He's, like, a pretty... Like, he's a, quote, liberal guy. He's on the left, but, yeah. you know. Um, the thing about this, though, is it shows how you could just be living a normal life and somebody else takes an advantage or does something really evil, grabs a gun and starts shooting at people. It's just unbelievable. Oh, that was loud. <laughs> I, ste- <laughs> I stepped away for a second, and I, uh, I knocked over the air conditioning uh, little thing. That's okay. good. Um, yeah, well, this guy was living by a van, like in a van down by the river. And uh, he was uh, uh, apparently on Facebook. He was posting a lot of anti uh, Trump things as well. Yeah, but uh, that's everybody, But that right? feels like, yeah, everyone's doing that. So th- that's hard to tell, but... Uh, you want to hear these quotes we got? Yes, I do. And Bernie Sanders. Because Bernie, obviously, people are like, well, he supported Bernie, whatever. So Bernie came out, I am sickened by this despicable act. Let me be clear as I can be. Violence of any kind is unacceptable in our society, and I condemn this action in the strongest possible terms. Real change can only come about through nonviolent action, and anything else runs against our most deeply held American values. Mm-hmm. Okay, couldn't be clearer, right? So he comes out, condemns this guy, and now Trump had this to say. Everyone on that field is a public servant. Our courageous police, our congressional aides who work so tirelessly behind the scenes with enormous devotion, and our dedicated members of Congress who represent our people. Our children deserve to grow up in a nation of safety and peace, and that we are strongest when we are unified and when we work together for the common good. Mr. Trump, question. Uh, I knew this was coming, Joe. Yeah, go ahead, you star. That beautiful blue shirt you're wearing brings out the color in your eyes. Thank you. Uh, Mr. Trump, uh, you said that everyone should feel safe, and you are the lone auto candidate, correct? Absolutely. We need to do something to stop this 
American carnage. Okay. What could you have done to prevent this from happening? Could have been there, punched him in the face. In terms of gun control? I don't think it's a gun control problem, Joey. I think it's a Democrat mouth control problem. They're out there parading around with my my head and Kathy Griffin's hands and all this shit. Barron, who, by the way, my beautiful son, Barron Trump, he's a genius. He moved into the White House with Melania, and he is still petrified. I mean, the kid is really taking it on the chin. So it's a, de- I mean, look, it's a Democrat thing. I don't think it's a gun control issue for sure, because you can write all the laws you want. If a crazy person wants to get a gun, they'll get it. You understand, Jerry? I do, and I would just want to thank you for your answer. You're quite welcome. If you anytime, I mean, literally, whenever you have a question, please feel free. You shoot. Will do. Didn't mean that, okay? I didn't mean to say the word shoot. They'll jump on me, the dishonest media, because I said shoot after a shooting. I just meant you go for it, Jerry. I will go for it. Okay, thank you. Um, anyway, we'll keep, I mean, it's a one-off thing. Uh, it's another, it, to me, it's only a matter of time before something like this happened where you have elected representatives out, you know, kind of unprotected. They're just at a field. Well, they weren't exactly unprotected. There were some undercover guards. No, of course, but I'm saying, but they're out and in the also, open. And uh, also, a major, uh, something that was very um, fortuitous was that he was not able to get past the fence. Right. So they're claiming that if he got past the fence and was in the field, that it would have been a bloodbath massacre. And that's what... Uh, Republican Jack Bugman said, if he hadn't been able to gain entrance to the field, it would have been a whole different story. Yeah. Well, I mean, what kind of gun was he using? Do we know? I mean, it could mm. be true that it could have been a massacre. I don't know. But, right. But apparently, you know, the, the, the people that were there, the Capitol Police or whatever, they were able to defend. But my point being, it's not like they're in an office or they're somewhere. Like, they were out in the open, essentially. And so there are crazy people in this country that have guns. And, you know, it feels like only a matter of time before the violence that is hitting the majority of American cities or whatever, certain cities in America very heavily, uh, that gun violence was going to impact lawmakers at some point. You know, it just obviously just was going to happen. Obviously, we don't want that to be the case. And, you know, we'll see what happens. So but hopefully Steve Scalise is going to be all right. Yes, I hope so, too. I do have to say that I I thought it was... um, I guess, nice of Mr. Trump and Melania to go and visit the gentleman in the hospital. Well, of course, yeah. I mean, it is nice, but obviously they have to go do that. Okay. Well, were they... Yeah, it's nice, of course. Thank you. It's a duty of the president, though. Of course he had to go do that. Um, Okay. Flint, Michigan. We haven't talked about this in a little bit. And there was an update yesterday that I think is worth uh, mentioning, and we can just kind of talk about still what the situation on the ground is there. Five current and former Michigan and Flint officials have been charged with involuntary manslaughter, which carries a 15-year sentence. Oh, look at that. Stemming from their roles in handling the crisis, the Flint water crisis, which was linked to a Legionnaire's outbreak that killed at least 12 people and uh, sickened maybe 80 people uh, overall. Many people, by the way, in Flint, Michigan, are still using only bottled water to shower, to eat, to drink. That's yeah, it's a mess. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, a, it's criminal. And let me ask you this. Hillary Clinton was there during the campaign. She apparently went and and tried to help people out and kind of figure out what the deal was on the ground. 
why isn't Hillary like instead of Hillary Clinton going around now and giving speeches and trying to explain why she lost and all shit? Go why do, isn't she there helping? Yeah, go do something practical. Wouldn't that be a better look? Go to Flint. Mm. Go help those people. Go be their voice because Trump isn't, and nobody expected that he would be. He's not interested in in helping those people. No, he's not. And uh, what are the quote? Americans that are living without yes. running water? Yeah, you know, in a major city. Well, yeah. maybe not city, but no. Flint, Michigan is a is a city yeah. in this country. Yeah, uh, Attorney General Scoot Scoot S C H U T T E. How do you pronounce that? Huh? The Attorney General of Michigan. Yes. Yeah. This is a quote that I feel it feels empty. Okay. It's about restoring accountability and trust to the families of Flint. Uh, in terms of them uh, handing down this, um, you know, um, charging the individuals. Right. But it, it just doesn't feel like it's enough. Well, let's hear it. Are you going to say it? What? Oh, how to make it enough? I don't know how to make it enough. No, no, no. I'm saying I thought you had the quote. I did. It's about restoring accountability and trust. Oh, that's all he said? That's all he said. Well, yeah, I mean, but, the, you know, he can't really say anything because I'm sure there was more to that quote. But, you know, he, he can't really say anything. They just charge them and we'll see what happens. Whether anybody actually goes to jail over this or anything, that's going to be the interesting story. But bigger picture, I mean, I'm sure the people would rather just be like, let them get off and let's get some fucking water, you know. Yeah, it's fiction. At a certain point. They've been living for years without running water in a, in a major American city. It's it's no good. No, it's not. Um, all right. So, again, we'll keep our eye on all this, but Flint, Michigan is still a serious issue, and you don't hear anything about it really anymore because there's too much other shit going on, and Trump is a complete distraction, and that's all, you know. This is the other thing, by the way. Something I've been noticing with the Democrats, with liberals, get a fucking platform together. Get a plan together. Stop thinking that just pointing out that Trump is incompetent and maybe a racist and maybe a bigot and maybe this and maybe that. It's not enough. It's not a plan. Look at the situation the Republicans found themselves in. They got total power. They controlled all levels of government and they couldn't pass anything because they didn't bother over the last eight years to actually put a plan together and go, when we hit the ground, we can hit the ground running. They weren't ready. Democrats, get ready. Get a Medicare for all or a single payer health care bill written now before you need it. Because once you do need it, it's too late. Republicans right now are writing their new health care bill totally secretively. They're not letting anybody know what they're putting Ooh. in it. They're going to send it to the CBO without anybody seeing it. They're going to score it, and then we'll see what happens. But that's their new strategy. Their new strategy is, hey, if people don't know what we're doing, they can't get mad at it. That's how incompetent they are oh, and what the, so the evil shit that they're trying to do. Democrats need to put real plans out and have real leadership because you're going to be looking at Trump in office for eight years. Or if you're not, you're going to take over and not be prepared. And it's pathetic to watch. And it's exactly why Democrats lose elections, because Hillary Clinton spent most of the campaign talking about social issues, which is fine. They're real issues. But there's never any doubt that the Democrats are your only option for those social issues. Uh, Also, the other thing we have to keep in mind is there's one topic that everyone has on their mind, and it's not social issues. It's the economy. That's what everybody, every election, everybody says that. Okay. And then somehow they vote based on a wall or they vote based on whatever. 
Everybody thinks that's the case, but if that was the case, then Hillary would have gotten elected because Obama's policies were good. That's the reality. Like, the economy was as good as it had been in 10 years, and nobody cared. That wasn't the deciding factor at all, apparently. It's a frustrating thing, and the Democrats need to get it together and start now. Like, I, I don't understand. It's not just a PR battle. Do something. Mm. people believe that Trump was going to do something because he talked to them about their direct issues. He's not going to, but okay. Democrats need to be talking to populations of people that A, don't normally vote, mm-hmm. or B, would potentially vote for them, but then switched over because they liked what Trump is saying about X, Y, and Z. They need to get out there and talk to those people. But bigger picture, they need to just expand the voter base. There's a, we talked about this a lot. Yes. There's 100 million people out there that don't vote. That could vote. Get some of them. You'll win every election. It's very frustrating to watch. On to the next one? Yeah. We got the Dakota Access Pipeline here. This is a pretty big update. On Wednesday, U.S. District Judge James uh, Bosberg ruled that the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers did not adequately consider the possible impacts of an oil spill where the Dakota Access Pipeline passes under the Missouri River. The Army must redo its environmental analysis in certain sections, and the district judge is still deciding if operations must halt or not. He hasn't made that decision Meanwhile, The Intercept has published leaked and public records documents detailing the relationship between Tiger Swan, a global mercenary and security firm, originally a U.S. military or, uh, and or State Department contractor, uh, and Energy Transfer Partners, the company building Dakota Access Pipeline. Now, what I'm saying is this Tiger Swan is like a private security setup mm-hmm. that's been hired by energy transfer partners during the Dakota access protests. And now these documents have come out that, that the intercept has published that details how they're using counterterrorism tactics to defeat the pipeline insurgencies. I have a quote and then Joe, you did a little more research. Yeah, it, I did right? a few. Yes. This is directly from the Inter- intercept article. I figured it was just the best thing to do is just read it. Internal Tiger Swan communications describe the movement as, quote, an ideologically driven insurgency with a strong religious component, which I guess they're just referring to like Native American activists as like a religious thing, Mm -hmm. and compare the anti-pipeline water protectors to jihadist fighters. One report dated February 27, 2017, states that since the movement, quote, generally followed the jihadist insurgency model while active, we can inspect... we can expect the individuals who fought for and supported it to follow a first insurgency model after its collapse. Drawing comparisons with post-Soviet Afghanistan, the report warns, quote, while we can expect to see the continued spread of the anti-Dakota access pipeline diaspora, aggressive intelligence preparation of the battlefield and active coordination between intelligence and security elements are now a proven method of defeating pipeline insurgencies. More than 100 internal documents leaked to the Intercept by a Tiger Swan contractor, as well as a set of over 1,000 documents obtained via public records requests, reveal that Tiger Swan spearheaded a multifaceted private security operation characterized by sweeping and invasive surveillance of protesters. Let me tell you this, Mm -hmm. America. America. I don't know why I said it like Trump. When I talk about corporate control on the show, and I talk about the growing gap between the wealthiest people in this country and the moneyed interests that run this country and everybody else. 
This is the most insidious and clear example of that. Example of that. You're talking about Energy Transfer Partners that stands to make so much money off of this pipeline. The guy that owns Energy Transfer Partners supported the current president, who then, when he got into office, immediately kickstarted operations again and was like, We're not, you know, these protesters are meaningless to me. We're going to keep this going. These people have hired counterterrorism mercenaries to defeat protesters who 100% have the right to protest this in a peaceful way. When you start to see Congress people come out and say, well, you should be able to hit protesters with the car if they're blocking a highway, or you should be able to do this, you should be able to do that. That's, this is all part of the problem, and we're giving our unalienable rights, we're giving them away to corporate fucking overlords like this that can hire these mercenary groups to, to quell our free speech, which is what protests are. That's worst case scenario. And it's, it's happening. And it's happening, and it's been happening, but this is a very clear example. And then when you factor in facial recognition technology or software, when you factor in drones, when you factor in um, conservative you know, control over Congress, laws are going to get passed that, are, that eventually are going to be locked in place there, to such an extent that there's nothing we can do about those at a certain point. Mm. And this is horrible. This is horrific. So it turns out that some of the leaked documents uh, that Tiger, uh, the Tiger Swan got together were situation reports that um, involved states as North Dakota, South Dakota, Iowa, Illinois, and Texas. And they actually hand-delivered the situation reports to Energy Transfer Partners, which is the people that own the, the pipeline. Including with some of these documents... They had daily intelligence updates. That means that every day they gave an update of what was going on that they shared with the law enforcement around right. and other public-private dragnet services. Well, let me tell you that. Which, for, which okay, obviously that's what they're going to do, right? The, yes. the, that, that's the thing. Like You read through the documents, you look at this stuff, and you go, well, yeah, of course that is the service they're going to provide. The problem is they're not doing it to take out ISIS or Al-Qaeda or something. Nope. They're doing it to poor people, Native Americans living on the land that was given to them by their ancestors, uh, and they don't like it because they want to build this fucking pipeline. And so it's like, well, we got to... You know, we, we got to have a dragnet set up and mm -hmm. we need to do... That's wild. And also, couple it with this idea, Eric Prince, who's the Blackwater, Zay, whatever, it keeps changing head, you know, the, mm -hmm. the, the, counter, you know, the counterinsurgency private security firm, Blackwater is what it's best known as. Eric Prince was an advisor to Trump during the campaign. There was things that you could read that Eric Prince and uh, Jared Kushner were working together to try to establish back channels and do all this stuff. Betsy DeVos is his sister. Ooh. She runs the education department. I'm not trying to tie these two things together, but I'm just trying to draw the parallel of like, it's not out of the realm of possibility that, you know, a Trump or people that think like Trump, these billionaire business people, they're fine with the idea of having their own private security to take care of business in a way that is not okay for you know, just a regular government officials to do. Yeah. It's... So that's the mindset. That's all I'm trying to put out there. Yes. So uh, 
Tiger Swan, obviously, is providing a service. And it's always this wild, these crazy names. Tiger Swan. Yeah, Tiger Swan is great. Blackwater, these animals. Think about what a Tiger Swan would look like. A swan with a tiger, I said? Majestic and vicious. (laughs) That is nice. God, Joe, keep going. I got it. Okay. Thank you. So it turns out that uh, they have access to helicopters and drones and other area surveillance of the area. Right. So they know where everybody is. Yeah. And if they were to, let's say, arrive in some riot gear, they would be able to cause some serious damage. You know what this is like to me? Yes. This is like when you're a kid, you have a water gun fight, and the neighborhood kids are doing it. Mm Mm-hmm. And everybody's got their super soaker, and you know, one kid's got the single barrel, and somebody's got the double barrel, whatever. But it's all kind of in the, in a range. Uh-huh. And then this other kid, yeah, he's got the hose. Nah, he's got the fire truck. Whatever. He's okay. He's got the hydrant open, and he's he's spraying. <laughs> like, that's what this is. Where it's like you're taking some because it's like, I guess it's technically okay for them to do this, but it's taking defense against protests, which are allowed. Yeah. To such a degree that it is absurd and there should be some limit on this and this should not be something that is allowed now the highlight of all this is again please keep in mind that we're talking about a bunch of independent individuals yeah uh, native americans well uh, and let's uh, be veterans. honest there are, yeah veterans but there are other people from other places showing up to yes help pro- okay to help protest the unarmed they have no tendency to promote or insinuate any form of violence they're peacefully assembling, right? And and one of the but daily, even if they were, but even if they were, even if there was somebody, okay, then you arrest that, that yes. person. There was one daily report that uh, obtained that they were asking f- the Tiger Swan was making a note that they might need extra equipment, and that equipment included night vision goggles, right? Body armor, and something I've never heard of before forward-looking infrared cameras. Right. Now you're talking about a bunch of people that are literally just standing there. In the and, cold. In the cold. Right. And you need night vision goggles? Well, listen, if you're, again, here's the thing. Yeah, if you're trying to do this job, this is the thing. If you put a group of tactical mercenaries, counterinsurgency people on a task... They're going to want toys. Yeah, they're going to want to do it. And also, you go, well, let's, we'll, we'll expense that. That'll be another, you know, whatever... 600,000, whatever. Yeah. The, it's really gross. And I think the, the, what did you say? The infrared, say it again. Oh, forward looking infrared cameras. I believe, and I could be mistaken, I believe that was used against the Ferguson protesters. I think there were helicopters that were equipped with that, which essentially, um, you know, I mean, you can make an argument that it very likely violates your right to privacy because it enables you to see in someone's home or, or see this or that. Oh, so shit. you can, so like if they're in a tent or something, I believe I'm just saying, I don't know for a fact, they but can see what's going I on. I believe the infrared camera would allow you to be able to see if there was just for example, a bomb or something, whatever, you know, you could see that stuff. And that isn't right. Right. Doesn't that take away your right to privacy? If you're able to do that and collect data on people, because then you can go, well, we collected it. It's ours now. Well, no, you can know it's there. You don't have to acknowledge that you know that, but then you could show up at Joey's house and go, we already know what's in your house, and go, well, we want to see, we want to look in here. Yeah. Find an excuse. That's what they were doing. They were also trying to find excuses to arrest people or charge them or do whatever, right? I mean. Yeah. So I'm thinking that, uh, so in this case, what happened was there was a contractor 
that was hired by Tiger Swan to, I guess, uh, keep inventory of the documents, and they, uh, you know, kindly sent them over to the Intercept. Right. I feel that there's, especially, like, as Trump president, there seems to be a lot of, like, what people say is, like, taking a stand or fighting back, whatever terminology you want to use. Civil disobedience. Civil disobedience. I feel there's going to be a lot more leaked documents coming soon. I feel there's going to be, like, a dump coming. Yeah, well, there has to be. You know, Assange said this was going to be the case. Um, And he's right about that. People, There are people who... Because their conscience have to do, you know, they, they can't just allow, we, we as a citizenry can't just allow this to keep happening. And there are people definitely uh, left or right, whatever side you're on, on, on stuff like this, if it even breaks down that way. There's people that are going to recognize that it doesn't matter what the prevailing thought is about protest or about this situation in general, that there are still things going on that are wrong just objectively wrong, and mm-hmm. this is one of them, and they need people to know about that. And then what the public does with that information, they do, but... It's out there, and you it's have accessible. To put it out because, uh, you know, again, like a private military force like this is an illusion of safety that is also a very real check on freedom. You have the freedom to protest, but this military group is out there. And yeah, a certain percentage of people are going to go, well, thank God, we're, you know, we're safe. Oh, good. We hired more security. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but unless it's directed at you and then it's not safety, it's the opposite of safety. It's a danger. It's a danger to your freedom. It's a danger to your liberty. And there's got to be, a, in my mind, 51% of this country has to f- feel that way. And if they don't, then we need to figure out what is wrong with this country and, and get it back on track. Because... You can't look at this and go, well, yeah, sure, that makes sense. It doesn't. Well, the interesting thing is, is if they're willing to go this far for a bunch of unarmed civilians, think about if there was a real threat and what these independent companies are willing to do. Oh, I mean, shit, dude. They, Of course. Well, look what they did in Iraq and Afghanistan. I mean, we have private mercenary groups all over the place. I know we do, but this is more kind of like it's... It's on our state land, though. Right. Well, that's like the other over thing, there, yeah. you didn't see what was going on. You don't know as much, mm-hmm. and it's just a different feeling when you go to North Dakota, and it's like, holy shit, you have a power league of military force. Yeah, well, we saw it in the protests. We saw it in Ferguson. We saw it all yeah. over the place. Like that. That is the issue, and I'm not sure. I think that Bush's W. Bush's. Um, Authorization of military, what, what, you know, whatever his 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 essentially war declaration, whatever, mm-hmm. covers everywhere where there is terrorism or something like that. So if we get a terrorist attack here, you, you're likely to see more of this stuff happen because this becomes a battlefield. You know, you can kind yeah. of classify anything as a war zone at a certain point, and this is already happening, and that's not the case. So think about if that was the case. Do you really want? tiger swan in your neighborhood no you don't because what if they're doing something against you it's all well and good when they're doing something you think they should be doing or they're fighting bad guys or whatever but what if you're the bad guy (laughs) you're screwed bro right well you're more than screwed because there's nothing you're going to do to stop that all the people even that are conservative that like stockpile guns and do all the shit 
Good luck. It's not enough. It's not enough. You, you could think it's enough, but it's not enough. The U.S. military has more firepower than you do. These mercenary groups have more firepower than you do, and they're tactically trained, and they're ready to go. And they're getting paid to do it. So good luck with that. Ready to move on? Yes. Thank you for doing the reporting on that, Joe. I appreciate it. You're welcome. It's a, cra- it's a crazy thing. I mean, obviously, we keep our eye on all this stuff. Yeah, it's... As you said, between the, uh, the private companies and then the facial recognition and this and that, uh, we might be living in a world that if you post the wrong thing on Facebook or you ruffle too many flowers, somebody feathers, might... Yes, feathers, Thank you. Somebody might just come and say hi. Yeah, no, for sure. Sponsors withdrawing. This is something I wanted to talk about. And this kind of falls in line with the corporate overlord thing because I actually wrote a little comment that I had this week. Ooh, nice. Delta Airlines and Bank of America have both pulled their sponsorship of New York's public theater after Julius Caesar was staged with Trump depicted as Caesar, including the assassination scene, as part of a modernized Shakespeare in the Park production. And I got a couple of quotes here. Delta put out this statement. They said, no matter what your political stance may be, the graphic staging of Julius Caesar Caesar at this summer's free Shakespeare in the Park does not reflect Delta Airlines values. Their artistic and creative direction crossed the line on the standards of good taste. We have notified them of our decision to end our sponsorship as the official airline of the public theater, effective immediately. Why a public theater needs an an official airline, I don't know, but okay. Bank of America put out this statement. They said, Bank of America supports art programs worldwide, including an 11-year partnership with the public theater and Shakespeare in the Park. The public theater chose to present Julius Caesar in such a way that was intended to provoke and offend. Had this intention been made known to us, we would have decided not to sponsor it. We're withdrawing our funding for this production. Should should I make a comment about this or should I read the next part of it and then we'll just have a full discussion? I want to hear what you have to say. Uh, How about... We don't let corporate masters sponsor all of our art programs. Well, I feel that in this case, Mm -hmm. um, they're actually providing a service to the community. I feel otherwise. No, 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 no. No, the play people are providing the service. They're providing the money for it. Yes. Well, for them to do the play, there has to be money, and the money is coming in a form of a contribution. It is, but then it also gives a bank control over what art is. Yes. Okay, fi- okay. fundamentally at the end of the day. Yes. And, it's, and that's the same idea as, well, look, energy transfer partners, the, the regular police aren't good enough. they got to get better. You know, the, You're putting control. You're putting a corporation... In you're 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 giving personhood to a corporation. You're saying that a corporation has taste, Ooh. which it does not. Kristen Lemkow. Now, this is another thing. All right, and, but it ties in. Meanwhile, J.P. Morgan Chase has uh, repeatedly pulled its local TV, uh, reportedly, excuse me, pulled its local TV and digital ads from all NBC News programming to try and pressure NBC News to not air a Megyn Kelly interview with Alex Jones, who's like the noted conspiracy theorist and whatever. He's out of his mind. Uh, Kristen... Lemkow, I believe is how it's pronounced, is a J.P. Morgan Chase chief marketing officer. She tweeted, as an advertiser, I'm repulsed that Megyn Kelly would give a second of airtime to someone who says Sandy Hook and Aurora are hoaxes. Why? Well, okay, that's fine. But 
as an advertiser, it's not fine. As a person, you can be repulsed. Mm-hmm. But it is what it is at a certain point. Then maybe we shouldn't have banks sponsoring the news. Then maybe we wouldn't run into these situations where Megyn Kelly thinks it makes sense to bring Alex Jones on TV to get more ratings to make more money for her fucking J.P. Morgan. Well, she can't make more money if they're not willing to throw the money at her. What I'm saying is her bringing Alex Jones on uh-huh. is born out of the fact that news is entertainment and yeah, okay. it's a turn of profit. It's not news. That's not news to interview Alex Jones. But she's going to present it as news on NBC News because people will watch. And the yes. more people that watch, the more fucking cars you sell and the more tied and whatever. That's the problem. So these fucks at J.P. Morgan and Bank of America and Delta, they're getting mad at artistic expression when they are, in fact, the cause. Like, it, you understand what I'm saying? Like, it's the, reverse thinking, bro. Right. Well, it's well, whatever. It's circular logic, I guess. It's, uh, we're seeing this a lot lately, too. That the only way to make real change is to have our corporate overlords like pull their precious advertising dollars. That's the only way to do it. Yeah. And, you know, a thing that I know, uh, we were in Chicago for a wedding. Uh, my in-laws, the whole, whole group was there. Uh-huh. And we went to um, a museum. And also, actually, when, when you go to the uh, National Museum of African American History and Culture, you see a lot of the, the stuff is sponsored by Bank of America or big corporations or whatever. And yeah, it's great that the museums are there and I enjoy going to them and I like seeing the exhibits. But it's also this, you know, kind of weird feeling of, yeah, but look who's paying for it. You know, like they're in control of this thing. They control all the money, so they're controlling what we see. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's good that they're doing it, but are they doing it completely altruistically because they think people need people need artwork? Or are they doing it because it looks good to have Chase Bank or whatever, uh, Bank of America, on top of the stage at the fucking Shakespeare in the Park? You know, like, why are they doing it? And I know maybe it's uh, maybe it doesn't matter, but it's still it's something that bothers me. Well, I, I, I feel that... Especially when they can shut it down. I get, I get that, but I, I, I feel that in this term, that we're trying to look at this in more of a positive light of it, more being a symbiotic relationship, where... Until it's not. Until, until you step out of line and they go, well, we're not going to sponsor this anymore. Sorry. Yes. Well, th- that's in terms of the, the Megyn Kelly thing, but no, I... No, it's in terms of the play also. They don't like the way the play was done, so they pulled their money. So, so, so you don't have a problem at all of... People personating Donald Trump and then stabbing him, stabbing the president of the United States. It's a play. It's a play. It's a play. It's Caesar. So in your mind, in no possible way, was it tasteless? I, I'm not even saying that, but let, let people decide whether it's tasteless or not. Don't let corporations go, well, we can't. Oh my God, we can't be associated with this. Meanwhile, you, you have you, to do it in the evil ad- pop- No, let me finish. There's ads on YouTube videos. You go watch a YouTube video that's hideous. And there's going to be a fucking uh, Bank of America commercial right before that. They don't care. You could go watch protesters getting shot by rubber bullets. And right before it, before you can hit skip ad, it's like, Delta Airlines welcomes you. And then you're watching people getting gunned down in the street. That's okay, right? That, that's not tasteless. We have no problem with that. That's but, not a problem. Yes. All right. Do me a favor. Can you read again the Delta, uh, Delta's tweet or their of their, their statement their statement but read it as the evil corporation you know i was thinking about this it hurts my voice ow so maybe instead of doing it like delta maybe instead of doing it like that we should just oh delta no matter who maybe we should read it like that no 
No, you, you need me it's, to do it. It's going to hurt your voice. All right. If we need to take a little break afterwards, we'll take <laughs> okay. a little break All afterwards. Right, All right, here we go. This is Delta. This is their statement. No matter what your political stance may be, the graphic staging of Julius Caesar at this summer's free Shakespeare in the Park does not reflect Delta Airlines values. Their artistic and creative direction crossed the line on the standards of good taste. We have notified them of our decision to end our sponsorship as the official airline of the public theater, effective immediately. Now, the funny thing about this is... Don't cross <laughs> us, simple humans! <laughs> the place We're the most powerful airline in America, and we do not appreciate you humiliating us any farther. So, so the play's been going on... Thank you, I'm not going to be able to talk for three days. But yeah. yeah, it's all right. So, you have a play that, that had a few showings, yeah. and then I guess it hit YouTube and somebody saw it, and now there's an uproar about I it. guess. I mean, again, but that's always what it is. It's like, oh, no, are we going to... Oh, is it going to affect our money? No. people. Are, what, what do you think? People are going to stop fucking flying Delta or going to Bank of America because of this Shakespeare play? Are you out of your fucking mind? Yeah, but do you know what's going to happen? There's not going to be free Shakespeare anymore. Because no, there will be. Somebody will step in and it'll be fine. I hope so. That, But that's my point, though. It's like maybe we shouldn't just be rapidly or readily accepting money from these fucking huge corporations because they're in control. We're just giving them more control. Well, that's always been the, the one of the main issues with the, the Democrats, just in general. If they're receiving money from the same people, then what statement are they truly making? They're not. That's the problem. That was the whole argument with Obama giving his speeches to the banks. Yeah, whatever. Of course, Obama is going to make a lot of money. He gives a great speech. But maybe he shouldn't. Maybe he shouldn't. He can. Of course he can. And other presidents have. But maybe they shouldn't. It looks bad. It doesn't make sense to be like, well, I'm against, you know, the big banks. But except, when they're, money. except when they're giving me a check, right? It's like, <laughs> come on, man. Do you have anything else you want to add about? I don't know. Did I make a point? I, yes, did I you make did. a point? Okay. I, it's just frustrating. Let's again, the main fucking issue is corporations and moneyed interest are dominating our democracy. And we're giving them more power. All the time. Any t every time something is brought to you by blah, 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 you've given them more power. Yes. Let's stop having everything brought to you by a bank. It's fucking ridiculous at a certain point. Exxon commercials. You watch these fucking Exxon commercials. Exxon cares. Fuck you. Bullshit. You're an oil company. You don't have to care about me. I have friends. I have a wife. I don't need you to care about me. I need you to produce gasoline. That's it. I don't need you to hug me. Cheap and effectively. No. Safely and Safely. cleanly. <laughs> not cheap and effectively. Whatever it is. If gas costs $30 a gallon, then it's not good. Maybe we shouldn't be presenting oil subsidies. Then maybe the price of fucking solar panels would go down and we can stop hearing that stupid argument over and over again. How about that? Is this the rant? Is this what you were talking yes, about? Yes, <laughs> but there's another one coming. We're going to see it. You think so? Yes, absolutely. Oh, uh, Jessica Simpson? Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> okay, relax. Um, all right, that's all I got to say about this. Now, we got another situation, North Korea and Otto Warmbier. 22-year-old Otto Warmbier serving 15 years hard labor in North Korea for crimes against the state arrived back home in Cincinnati, Ohio on Tuesday night in the midst of a year-long coma Purely coincidentally, Dennis Rodman, the worm, 
the former rebounding champ of the Chicago Bulls dynasty, uh, arrived in Pyongyang on Tuesday. He had nothing to do with the release of <laughs> Otto Warmbier. Otto Warmbier is this kid who went as part of like a tour, I guess, to North Korea over a year ago, 15 months ago. And he got caught stealing a propaganda sign. You know, he's going to try to take a sign back. Uh, That's so stupid. And they put him on quote trial and sentenced him to 15 years hard labor. And apparently right after that, he, they're saying contracted botulism. And then they gave him a sleeping pill and he hasn't woken up from that. He's been in a coma this whole time, but now that he's back in the United States, they're like, no, he suffered like a severe neurological, like, trauma and you got to assume they beat the shit out they of beat the shit out of him into and put, yeah put him into a coma now let me say this number one the dad fred i believe warmier said that the previous administration obama you know didn't help at all the results speak for themselves and trump obviously was very helpful and rex tillerson was able to bring the kid back that is true i question like trump they, they've been you know hitting the drum beat or whatever that is the beating the uh, war drum. Yeah. Beating the war drum <laughs> against North Korea for quite a while now. Although if you notice the more shit that comes out about Russia, the less you hear about North Korea, cause they're like distracted. But anyway, but you now can only got, focus on one thing at a time, Chris, you know that, That's but now they role. got this kid out of North Korea. To me, it's part of that, right? It's part of the decision of like, you know what? You know, it'd be great press for how bad North Korea is. Let's get Otto Warmier out of there. And that's, to me, kind of what factored into this. Now, that could be just me being cynical, and they could have just been like, well, this kid's you know, yeah. terrible. We should get him out of there. Fine. Uh, but I think it kind of plays into that narrative. And also, let me tell you this, silly American, don't go to North Korea. Yeah, why would you do that? If you're going to go, and if you're going to go... Don't fuck around with the signs. Yeah, don't fuck around. You're going to... The worst. You're going to a hostile nation. You're going to one. It's beyond that. You're going to one of the worst places on earth. It is run by one person. It is run by, or you know, a very a handful of people. They have concentration camps there. They treat their own people horrifically poorly. Don't go there and think that it's just somehow you're safe. No, no, no. You're not safe, and obviously. This kid found out the hard way that, that that's not the case. I feel bad that this is the outcome for him, but at the same time, some a lot of the blame, A, lays at his feet and lays at his parents' feet. If, if my kid that I don't have, but if I had a son and he was like, we're going on a trip to North Korea, I'd be like, no, you're not. No, you're not. You're not going to North Korea. Sorry. I don't care what you think you're doing over there. You're not fucking going to North Korea. You can't even come up with one reasonable answer to go there. Nope. Like, Vice goes, Vice is gone, Shane Smith has been there, and he's risking everything doing that. Dennis Rodman is, like, he can think that he's in the good grace, but he's risking it all to go there. My sources say that Jean-Wong Kim loves... No, that's not his name. What do you think his name is? Jean-Wong Kim? No, it's Kim Jong-un. Kim Jong-un loves the Bulls, so he has immunity. Well, that... Yeah, that's what they say, but who the who knows? It's on a whim if he decides, nope. You're not going to leave. You're not leaving. Okay. And you're now. And then he breaks now your Now you're legs. minister of basketball. Oh. You stay in North Korea. Minister I love basketball. basketball. We're going to play basketball. 
this kid I feel bad for. I mean, I feel bad for his parents. I hope that he's able to come out of the coma. Um, but shit, man. I mean, it's on him, right? To a certain it extent. Is. Um, like, I don't know what the point was. He wasn't going over there as like a missionary to like try to get people out. Fine. Then you even understand he's doing something, but it was just like a tour. Yeah. Uh, see, th- the other thing is I, I, I'm thinking maybe they got rid of the kid because they didn't want to pay for the health expenses and everything that would go I into mean, keeping the kid alive. I don't, for know how much they, I don't know how much they were taking care of him. Right. Yeah, he probably was one of the hassle just taking up space, I guess. Yeah, I think they were just like, whatever, okay, fine. Let's move over here. <laughs> like, the, do we put pressure on them? So they're like, all right. The uh, the the question is... They didn't know, meanwhile. They didn't know the kid was in the coma until, like, last week. Yeah, I think that's really shitty. Well, yeah, it's shitty. But that's why you don't go there. The, the, it's the worst country in the world. It's horrible. It's horrible. It's actually horrible you just don't fucking go there of course that's the thing where people are like well it was terrible how they treated him yeah no shit sherlock what do you think stupidest thing he's ever done well yeah touch the sign well he might never wake up again yeah it's a shame you know my my question is how true is that what they said about the obama administration administration not doing more to secure the kid I don't know. I mean, we don't know what goes on behind the scenes. They might have tried to get him out. I have no idea. Yeah. But, you know, if Trump made that a directive to Rex Tillerson to, like, get the kid out of there, then, you know, that was what they focused on. But, again, you got to question the motive there because they're trying to – not that you need a lot of work to paint North Korea as a dangerous, shitty place. I don't think they're capable of attacking us. I don't think they're the threat that way that they're trying to portray. But this is just a – you know, this just is more advertising for, like, North Korea's terrible. Mm-hmm. Remember North Korea, how bad they yeah. are? Look what they did to this poor kid. Right, they did, but... Okay, Does that what, what does that mean? What are we going to do about it? Look what they're doing to all the kids there. Look what they're doing to the people, again, that are in labor camps. People go into the labor... Like, you go he to the labor camp... He was sentenced for 15 years with hard labor. Right, that's what they do. But there's pe- there's North Koreans that are in a labor camp right now, right now... With their whole family. If the dad goes, the mom goes, the kids go, the grandparents go, everybody goes. Kids are born in North Korean labor camps. They stay in North Korea. Like, it's a horrific place. There's, it's happening to a lot of people there. Not that it lessens that what happened to this kid, but let's be honest, this kid put himself in harm's way, and I think it was fucking stupid, obviously. Yeah. I feel and, bad, but it's, it's dumb. And, of course, our pros go out for him. Hopefully, you know, he... Overcomes this and wakes up. Yeah, well, it'll be interesting to see what you know what the fuck he even remembers happened. Um, all right, you, you ready for we got what do we got? Three more things. We got Jessica Simpson here. Yay! Los Angeles International Airport. We can cut that. I I don't think that's even that big of a deal. We'll mention it because I just mentioned it. That's fine. Uh, and then we got a Trump administration odds and ends. We'll do some emails and then we're done. Nice. Jessica Simpson uh, posted a series of pictures of her five-year-old daughter in a bikini posing on a scooter with the caption safety first and then like a laughing emoji like because the daughter had her helmet on Mm -hmm. in a bikini on a scooter. All right. First of all, I see this article in Huffington Post and I'm going to read from the article in a second. But it claims that Jessica Simpson has a billion dollars. Apparently Jessica Simpson has some kind of like fashion line that makes a shitload of money. Ooh, good for her. Wild. Uh, Well, she was Daisy Duke, right? That is not where she made the money from. And then it's saying that she's being mom-shamed, which I don't know. She is being mom-shamed, 100%. Okay. So 
This guy, Cole Delbeck, who's a Huffington Post writer, wrote an article called Jessica Simpson is being mom-shamed for sharing her daughter's bikini photo. And th- these are, um, you know, it shows the photos, obviously, which mm-hmm. you saw them. And then this is what it says. Q internet mom-shamers coming out of the woodwork to slam Simpson for sexualizing her daughter online, describing the photos as inappropriate and disturbing. Protect your children. This is not for social media, one person wrote. Jessica, shame on you for exposing your daughter instead of protecting her, another tweeted. This woman needs to grow some brains and dis- uh, discernment. You don't exploit young children in bathing suits all over social media. Why don't you shut the fuck up? How about that? These people that like leave comments on things, shut up. But we'll talk about it in a second. I'm not done. But there was just as many followers coming to Simpson's defense. Her supporters handily shut down the idea that sharing a photo of her daughter in a swimsuit is wrong, given that nobody would bat an eye over a photo of a boy in the same situation. Well, I don't think that's true, because if there was a picture of a five-year-old boy in a bikini, people probably... Oh, that's not what they mean, Christopher. (laughs) Well, then it's not the same situation. Ah, Jesus. It's not the same. Okay. Mr. Trump? No, hold on. No. Give me one second, Joey. Let Chris finish. Fine. Any adult who looks at this little girl as something other than playing outside and having fun has issues, one fan That's 100% true. That is a fact. Anyone who doesn't like what this baby is wearing should unfollow. Another added, enough with the self-righteousness. Stop being misogynistic. Realize you're allowing males a free pass and shaming women. Ah, here we go. Wait, so... Wait, wait, so... It's misogyny. Can you walk me through that slowly? They're saying, yes. if it was a little boy in a bathing suit, yes. on a scooter, same picture. It's okay. Nobody would say anything. Yes. But because it's a little girl in a bikini, uh-huh. it's terrible. You're sexualizing her. So, well, let me say this. Uh-huh. If it was a little boy in a Speedo, people might say something about it. Mm. My thought is, it's interesting because I just had this conversation because I had seen... Uh, Something I don't know in a show or whatever. Now you have to mention it. It's I don't remember. I'm just saying. I remember seeing it recently. Me and Molly were watching something or whatever, and I commented to her, and I was like, "Shit, that I don't know. It seems weird to me. A little girl, a five year old girl in a bikini is a little odd to me." Wait, let me fucking get the thought out, Joey, and then you can jump in. A five year old girl in a bikini is a little weird to me, especially if you're putting it on the internet because. People are going, well, you're sexualizing her. Well, but a bikini is sexualizing because it's defining two specific parts of a woman's body, right? It's the the bikini part is covering the breasts, and the bottom part obviously is covering a woman's uh, you know bottom. A you're gonna say year- box. Okay. Well, I was gonna say yeah. I was gonna say uh, I was gonna say. No. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh my god. Oh my ears are bleeding. Um, we just lost like fifty percent no, of the it's listeners. Fine. They're good. Um, <laughs> the, that is what it is. You, like a five-year-old girl does not have breasts per se that need to be covered. Yeah, like that's a threat. If no, I'm trying to just say I'm not. I, yeah, I'm not trying to be weird. I'm not. Yeah, I'm just saying like. She doesn't reach puberty yet. She doesn't have breasts, right? It's the idea of it. Yes, I understand. So, of course, yes, they should be covered. But, like, to say, I don't know. To me, the bikini thing doesn't make sense. You can wear it. It's fine. But to post the picture, it is a little, it's, it's a little sexual. It just is. Because it's calling attention to something that is not even present on the little girl, right? Um, I don't know. You understand what I'm saying? I'm not trying to be weird about it. I think you're batshit crazy. What? There's nothing wrong with the picture. It's a lovely picture. She has a helmet on. She's got amazing glasses. Mm -hmm. And the fact that anyone thinks that someone's going to jerk off to this is sick. 
Well, I don't think that's what anybody was saying necessarily, but it's sexualizing. Is well, what it, isn't it, isn't that the whole point of oversexualizing something is to get it to that state? I don't know. I have no idea. Okay. But I'm just saying, like, I don't know. It's sex. It is sexual a little bit. She can do it. I get it. I get she can shame. The, post a picture. It's not fucking mom shaming. If she doesn't want people to complain about what she doesn't, don't post it online. It's a public forum. The, the, well, actually, that's a great point. It is the public forum, and she's the one invoking her own children. Normally, when you live in the public eye, such as a movie star or a politician, you're supposed to shield your child. You're not supposed from- to. You can. You don't have to do anything. You can do whatever. The, here's the point. Okay. You can do whatever the fuck you want. Anybody can do whatever they want. As long as it's not hurting somebody else, whatever. You do what you want. The people that comment that are so annoying, this woman needs to grow some brains and discernment. Why don't you shut the fuck up? How about that? Why don't you get off Instagram and go raise your own kid? Shut up. But I do get the, I understand the point. And the only reason it, it, it called out to me is because I literally just said it in my private life to no one, you know, to Molly or whatever, but not like mm-hmm. online or anything. I saw something where I was like, that's a little, I don't know. It's a little much, I think, for a five-year-old. Whatever, I'm not some kind of prude or any shit like that. But again, when you start getting into that mindset, then you're like, well, yeah, but the kid's five anyway. Should she be wearing... Like, there's a difference between a one-piece bathing suit and a bikini in terms of um, provocativeness, right? So you're telling me if she was in a one-piece, this would not be an issue? Not Definitely not to me. I mean, I wouldn't even, it wouldn't even register to me. No. Okay. We should outlaw it, then. We should make it no, against no, the law. No, 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 that's not what I'm saying, but... I, I just... It, it just saddens me that we live in a world where everybody automatically assumes that we're over-sexualizing everything. Which, it might be if she was trying to sell something. Now the argument is, is she trying to sell a daughter? No. Well, n- yes. Yeah, <laughs> wouldn't that be crazy? <laughs> Jessica, Simpson under fi- <laughs> Jessica Simpson under fire tonight after she posts to Instagram that she wants to sell her baby. <laughs> Look at her, y'all. She's wearing a bikini. She's five years old. She's good. She's potty trained. Okay. Uh, here's, an, here's another aspect. No, but that, that, that's the whole point because a lot of life is image, right? It's the image of a child. It's what the child represents. In my view, a five-year-old in a two-piece bathing suit does not represent anything sexual or over-sexualization, or anything like that. It's just that she's being a five-year-old girl. She probably well, the kid picked, didn't do anything wrong. She probably picked out the bathing suit herself, so then the question becomes, is she over-sexualizing herself? Well, she might be over Maybe. Maybe. I mean, or to her, it's just a pretty Can we ask she her? wanted to wear. Yeah, we'll get her on the phone. Okay. The, here's the, uh, we've talked about it with the diaper commercial thing, right, where the kid, b- kids are rolling around shirtless, whatever. It's weird. It's, or naked. It's weird. Take it a step further. See some of the outfits that like younger girls are wearing. I I had this conversation with Molly too. We were at the movies or whatever. We were at the mall or something. And these girls, they walk in and I go, I have no idea how fucking old. Those girls could be nine. They could be 20. They're 18. They're all 18. They're automatically 18. She goes, well, they're like 14. Okay. Right. So I go, all right. I, I literally just couldn't tell. But the shorts that these girls are wearing are up their asses, the bottom of their asses are hanging out. Fine, you're entitled to wear it, but don't then 
get mad at people when they look at you it. You can't and go, blame the victim, Christopher. No, I, forget it, Joe. You're being really annoying. I'm trying to have like a real conversation because it's a sensitive subject. I'm trying to have a real conversation. You keep jumping in with like dumb comments. That's fine, Austin. You see these girls walk in, their asses are hanging out. All right, the bottom of their ass cheeks are hanging out. I'm not saying don't do it. Do it. If you're comfortable, you want to wear it, go for it. it. It's not, that's fine. I'm not trying to stop you from doing that. But let's not pretend then that then when uh, somebody goes, hits on them or whatever, thinks it's hot, then you go, well, they're 14. What are you, sick? Well, no, I'm not <laughs> sick, but they got their asses hanging out. So what do you want me to do? Not see it? I see it. Yeah, how would you know they were 14? Well, whatever, but that's not the point. But you understand what I'm saying? So it's the same kind of idea with this thing. Like, yeah, okay, yeah, she can wear the bikini. It's fine. But I think think it's putting out an image that is maybe more sexual than... She intended it to be. Yeah. Or maybe I'm completely wrong. I don't know. Leave it in the comments. Let us know. Yeah, people can comment. We'll see what happens. All right. You want to skip this LAX thing? Yeah, I, I don't. Uh, it just says you can spend seventy five thousand dollars, seventy five hundred, and have a nice little room. Woo-hoo. Well, they opened up a private suite terminal for the very wealthy to avoid the hassle of you know dealing with regular people. Uh, I'm okay with it. <laughs> business is business. All right. Well, whatever. Fine. We'll skip it then. Fuck you, Joey. That's fine. That's okay. <laughs> oh, Trump's odds and ends. Yeah, let's do it. Um, it's kind of a quick one. Jeff Sessions testified on Tuesday. I watched that. Um, was that what your clip was going to be? It, no. It was... No, I told you. It was... It's a yes or no question. Did you or did you not have a third meeting with the Russians? Right. Oh, you don't recall? Yeah, well, he can say... How do you not recall? Wait, was Trump going to ask Jessica Simpson a question or something? What are you talking about? You, Mr. Trump was going to ask somebody a question. Yeah, I was, but, you know. What was it? (laughs) The the question was, have you ever seen Baron in a two-piece? That's sick, Jerry. Okay. You're perverse. No, of course not. Okay, thank you. Baron wears a suit in the pool. (laughs) Like a full suit, not a bathing suit. Um, Anyway, Sessions testified. Nothing crazy there. I mean... He's invoking essentially like the idea of executive privilege for Trump, even though Trump hasn't, you know, um, evoked it himself. We'll see. You know, we'll yeah. see where it goes. There, nothing crazy came out of that. One of the points that I did want to make, though, Kamala Harris, who's a, uh, a Democratic congresswoman, mm-hmm. she or senator, is she a senator? I'm not sure. Representative, I think. Anyway, I read a bunch of articles where she was shut down by her male colleagues. Yeah, a couple of times they interrupted her and they were like, let him finish answering because she was the most aggressive by far on the on the panel that were asking questions. There was one other person, I forget who it was, who was like slightly more aggressive, like aggressive, but not to the point where they had to be like, yo, let him finish. Mm-hmm. She just kept, she'd go, what do you think about this? And he would go, well, I don't, and she goes, no, 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 I'm asking you a yes or no. And she would like keep badgering him. And so that's just not the tenor of what the situation was. It wasn't because she's a woman, I don't think. Maybe it was. I don't know. But it just didn't seem like that was the case. People were kind of like, again, she was shut down. Yeah, because if you watch the full two hours, she was by far the most aggressive person there and not allowing him to finish his thought. Even though, yeah, he's not exactly answering the question you're asking, that's the game of those hearings. You try to ask a concise question, and then if he can kind of filibuster long enough, he eats up all your time. That's what he's trying to do. Yeah, She was trying to prevent him. I get that. Good on her. 
But, you know, they, they asked her to let him finish because it's a lot. She was being a lot. Yeah. Well, also, the other thing, too, is uh, a lot of times, especially with this, somebody's on the stand for, what, a total of six, eight hours or however long it is. Well, it's two and a half hours. It's two and a half hours. And you have the press that needs to cut it into a cute and concise package that lasts for a couple minutes. And it's difficult to get the full sense of the moment when you're only taking a section of it to be reported on, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I don't think that's something to worry about, but she's not even doing well with... Excuse me, she's not doing herself any justice there. I mean, she's trying to get him to say it in one word, but you know he's not going to, so you have yeah. to be a little more clever as far as how you're going to try to get him to say that, like, soundbite type of thing, but, you know, he didn't, and then it ends up making her look bad, I think, as opposed to good, which she was asking the right questions. She just needed to find a better way to do it, although... Okay, look, listen, they didn't interrupt anybody else, so it could have something to do with it, but I don't know, man. If you watch it, she was extremely aggressive to the mm-hmm. point where it was not, it was a point of diminishing returns. It didn't seem like she was going to get the right answer. Yeah. Um, like I mentioned, Baron and Melania moved into the White House, and uh, John McCain had a quote on Trump's message to the world when he criticized London Mayor Sadiq Khan during the London, you know, incidents, the, the, oh. I guess it was on the London st- Bridge, I guess he said about it. stabbing, right? Yeah, or whatever. Yeah. Sadiq Khan, who's the London mayor, he's Muslim. He was like, you know, remain calm. Like, everything is going to be okay. Like, we're, you know, basically just being like, look, everything's going to be fine. We'll, we'll take Saying exactly what he should be yeah. saying. So Trump criticized him being like, oh, really? Everything's fine? And, like, he goes after him, obviously, because he's a Muslim guy, you know. Um, John McCain had, had this to say. What do you think the message is? The message is that America doesn't want to lead. They are not sure of American leadership, whether it be in Siberia or whether it be in Antarctica. Antarctica. As far as American leadership is concerned, yes, it was better under President Obama. Wow. Wow. John McCain. That's a soundbite. Yeah. Stupid. It was better than Obama. If you think Trump was is good, you're a stupid idiot. You're being an idiot. All right, <laughs> Senator. Thank you. Uh, finally... Uh. Secretary of Defense James Mattis said recently that U.S. policy against ISIS moved from attrition to annihilation. In response to questions of escalating civilian deaths, he said civilian casualties are a fact of life in this sort of situation. People who have tried to leave that city were not allowed to by ISIS. We are the good guys. We're not the perfect guys, but we are the good guys. And so we're doing what we can. Civilian deaths have gone way up in uh everywhere basically that we're we're launching attacks and i think part of the situation is they're just like listen it's gonna happen the whole mindset is wrong though that we are the good guys well is it we are though right (laughs) yeah it's an interesting thing it's an interesting that's why i brought it it's like we are but are we because we're killing all these innocent people so are we is anybody good guys yeah because you know better than the terrorists themselves if you're killing innocent people i guess well because you're you're by default ca- causing terrorism. Yeah. yeah you, you have innocent people that under the circumstances which don't matter to them because they're dead. Right. Yeah, you know, it, it's in the same vein. It's an interesting thing. I, I get, obviously, well, listen, obviously a James Mattis type is going to be like unequivocally we're the good guys, which, you know, by and large, the United States does a lot of good in the world. But 
we are killing civilians. In trying to free other civilians, we're killing civilians and, you know, trying to take out ISIS, whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's, it's one of those things. It's, it's not a black and white. It's a gray area type of thing. And, you know, it's just important to keep our eye on the fact that there are a lot of civilian deaths. And they're going up. And part of the situation is that's not attrition. It's annihilation. And, you know, that is our mentality now towards ISIS. It is literally annihilation, not yeah. incremental gains over them. So... I just wanted to put it out there. It's an interesting thing. Um, let's take a quick break. Okay. We're going to read some emails, and we'll wrap up the show after that. If you don't want to stick around to listen to the emails, you're being ridiculous. But otherwise, you can find us on SoundCloud.com slash Samson. You can go on Apple Podcasts. You can rate, subscribe, leave a comment on there. You can also find me on social media, all social media, at Mansamp, M-A-N. S-A-M-P. Joey is at Joey from Jersey. Jersey is spelled with a Z. We're going to take a quick break, come back with emails from Samsonites. All right, we are back. I think we had a nice episode there. We're going to read a few emails that we got from the Samsonites. I like doing it better this way, Joey, where, you know... We have a little bit more time at the end of the episode or on a bonus episode to kind of stretch out and, and read some emails. It's good, right? Yeah, it's awesome. All right. We got an email from Ross, like I said. Ross, I apologize, my friend. We are in a different studio. Technical difficulties. We can't play the Julian Assange clip, so it's not you know, worth doing it today. We will do it next week, I promise. Uh, we got an email from Mackenzie. Mackenzie says... Hi, should liberals stop watching Top Chef since the chefs loves to talk about living in other countries to learn the food? I wish those P-Town libs had better common sense. Love you guys. Well, thank you. Uh, What does P-Town mean in this instance? Portland. Remember the burritos? Oh, my God. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, right. I mean, exactly. What what are you supposed to do? Somebody sent me a message. God, I I wish I could remember who it was. Uh, It was a great point about um, should all mixed martial artists, do they have to, like, pay their the countries where they learn the martial arts from oh my god that'd be well, right because awesome. that's how you learn you pass yes. down traditions it's like it is what it is um all right we got an email from what are, can i just ask i'm not even yelling at you but what are you i don't I'm, understand I, what I, you're clicking i'm clicking i'm just but clicking. what though i click things i i, I won't click anymore I you apologize. can scroll if uh, you need to see more of the emails yes i i will scroll but i don't understand what the clicking is I, i'll stop with the clicking it's. I just like to keep you on your toes. It's like penetrating deep into my brain, you know? <laughs> we got an email from Olivia. Hey, Chris and the gang. Oh, how's that feel? It's okay. <laughs> Long time, no chat. We love, uh, this is Livy. We love Livy. She, yes. she, she's written a bunch of times. She's great. First off, I love the new episode. Thank you very much. Great discussions. I love that you guys talk about more touchy subjects a lot more than some of the other podcasts in your genre. Well, thank you very much. Uh, What's the point, you know, if we're not going to do that? Yeah, I know. We'll talk about it. We'll talk about five-year-old bikinis. We'll do it. I wanted to give my opinion on the whole Bill Maher N-word thing and also ask also ask for some advice. Ooh, right? she wants advice from me? I can't wait. No, no. Well, she said Chris in the gang. I mean, you're ah, secondary, okay. obviously. As far as the N-word goes, I don't think anyone should say it, even black people. All right. Now, before we even go any further, fine. Like, if that's, the, that's your point of view, fine. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like... That makes the most sense, right? If nobody, can, nobody should say it then. Yes. But okay. 
I just think it is a word that shouldn't be in anyone's vocabulary. The only time I can even kind of tolerate it is if a black rapper uses it in a song or something like that, preferably the slang term, but even then I'm not that into it. All right. Obviously, this is just my opinion. I know there are other people in the black community who have very different opinions than mine on this. I just thought my thoughts were worth noting. I would love uh, to hear your thoughts on them. Well, yeah, like I said, I mean, I get that. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I white guys talking about the N-word. Yeah, right? People comment, okay, well, you know what? It is what it is. I, I'm white. I'm going to talk about it. It's fine. Yeah, I get why you wouldn't want anybody to say it, right? Because it does. Because no matter what context you put it in, it's still harkening back to something that's terrible. Yes, right. But I also am of the other school of thought where the more like the way that it's been appropriated by the black community in rap or, or anything like that, it is taking the word and changing its context. And then the more you use it, it's sort of desensitizing. And then does it really matter what the original meaning of the word was? If the current meaning of the word is the word, the way that everybody's yeah, using it's it, it's different the most than part. what it means. The problem is there is still a huge percentage of people that use the original meaning and use it as a derogatory and use it as a, you know, a cudgel against black people, as opposed to like a, you know, colloquial, like, Hey, what's up? You know, uh, yeah. that, that's everything. So, okay. Uh, there's, there's two sides to that equation. I, that's where I'll recognize, I'll, I'll check my white privilege and recognize that ultimately it's not uh, going to be on me to decide how the word is used. It's just not, but... To me, you get a pass if it's artistically used. Well, I, I Anyone. Mean, anyone gets a pass. Oh, my God. Any creed, any color, any race, anything. Well, I mean, I, you know, I kind of said that with Bill Maher. I mean, she gets into some more stuff, which yeah. we'll get into. I, we said it with Bill Maher. Like, it is a joke. You know, in that context, we get the context. Yeah, but it's a joke. Yeah. Then he got taken to task by Michael Eric Dyson and fucking Ice Cube kind of went after him. And Ice Cube, by the way, brought up the point that I was bringing up last week about, mm -hmm. you know, you get, get comfortable dating some black women and you think you got a pass and whatever. <laughs> and that, but that, so, right, that is part of it. But if you have a ring on it, it's a pass, right? Is that? No. No? No. No. Never um, a pass. I don't think so. No, I don't know. I can't be handing out passes. I have no idea. <laughs> it's not my pass to give. Okay. She says, I don't know that much about Bill Maher. I've seen clips from his show, but not that much of it as a whole. But most of my friends were also involved in intersectional feminism. Think of him as pretty problematic. It's, a, it's really interesting because a lot of people use that phrase about Bill Maher. He's problematic. Well, listen, he is what he is, right? He's a guy that's on TV. He's 50 years old, I think. He's uh, a white dude from New Jersey. I mean, he literally grew up a couple of towns. He grew up in your hometown. Yeah. Uh, of Park Ridge. Like he's from right where, from where we grew up. I, you know, he, it is what it is at a certain point, you know, like he's problematic. Okay. On some things I think he's, he's great, but uh, you could throw out some of the things where he's problematic. Like, yeah. I don't know why. And I think it's a problem on the liberal, like the really liberal left is to throw the baby out with the bathwater. Like you, you're going to, not that Livy's doing this. I'm just saying like, you're going to, argue with bill maher or you're gonna argue with the pussy hats because some women have penises like you're missing the point yeah. like i think you're taking your your bite your attack you're biting your own tail at a certain point when there's a whole other group of people the current administration whatever that disagrees with you on everything bill maher you might disagree with him on a few points and i again i watch the show i'd like to be the host of the show like you gotta pick your fights you got to pick your fights. That being said, you can say, you know, whatever. You can go after him, fine. But now I do have a question. Wait, let me just finish her thought. Yeah, she goes, obviously, I don't want to develop my full opinion on him before fully watching his show, but 
that is the impression I've gotten of him so far. Yeah, I mean, I guess sometimes he says things like, eh. But okay, but you just go, eh. Yeah. You can do that with anything. You go, I don't agree with that. I would suggest watching the at least the episode, Livy, if you're going to watch one. Watch the episode where he says it. And then watch the episode after that where Michael Eric Dyson and Ice Cube and um, shit, I can't think of her first name, but it's something Sanders, whatever. Yeah. She worked on Bernie's campaign, uh, also a black woman, and she, you know, they, they, they talk about it. I mean, yes. they, they get into it, so it's worth watching. They have a discussion about it. <coughs> now, now uh, Livy here has a, a, uh, a portion of the email that I don't understand what the context is. Intersexual feminism. What does that mean? Um, without looking up the exact definition, it's like the, the idea that like feminism crossing over into multi, many different areas, uh, uh, you know, political business, social, you know, intersectional, like where it meets with a lot of things, but hold on, let me now, now you put me on the spot, but I'm pretty sure that that's what it is generally, but. Uh, Livy can always write in or comment or whatever. See, because I I feel that like the word feminism in itself, and I kind of do it too, kind of has a negative connotation to it. What does feminism? Why? I I I don't know. It just I I I feel that it's uh, maybe it's overused or thrown or thrown around too much. Yeah, well, it might be. Everything is intersectional feminism is the understanding of how women's overlapping identities, including race, class, ethnicity, religion, and sexual orientation, impact the way they experience oppression and discrimination. So it's it, it's, oh, it's the whole thing. Yeah, it's all encompassing. But that's but I you know I mean you can define it however you want. But yeah. that's generally what feminism is anyway, right? It's um, it would be. Yeah. But okay, but, but whatever. It's more of an academic term, I think. But well, gotcha. I, I get where she's coming from with it. Uh, as as to your point, yeah, I mean, at, at a certain point, everything becomes Kardashian becomes a bad word. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, oh my god, it's like, like okay, it's the same thing. It, it, there's going to be a, annoying people or people that push things too far or weird or say things like, like but that's the the issue with a big tent. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Democrats, liberals, are inclusive of everybody and everything. We need to be accepting of everything. Everything. Okay, well, you then you're going to run into some issues with that as the same way you're going to run into it with being like a closed-off kind of thing, like when you're mm-hmm. being conservative. Okay. She says, as far as my request for advice goes, recently I've been having some conversation with friends of mine who are pretty big Hillary supporters. My parents are also pretty big Obama fans. While I can respect their opinions, I find it very hard to talk about these things with them because of how they always find ways to rationalize their actions. Any advice on trying to reach out to them? Usually I wouldn't get as invested in these conversations, but these are my family and friends, sure. Uh, I know you mentioned your dad is pretty conservative, which I know is different, but still similar in some ways. Keep up the great work with the podcast. I, I hope you all have a great day. I love the oh, twitchy answer email with, I hope you all have a great day. It's very nice. Yes. Uh, yeah, my dad's conservative, but I killed him. What? Uh, I didn't tell you? Yeah, we have a Father's Day coming up at no. all? <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, yeah. I mean, listen, me and my dad can have like real... like heated arguments it never goes anywhere i mean let's be honest it really doesn't uh so at a certain point i am just wasting my breath but we both like to argue and it's kind of fun and then yeah. whatever it's you know um as far as i'm assuming Libby, that you're asking from the perspective of, like you're pretty far left maybe a bernie supporter or whatever you know and that doesn't necessarily drive with hillary obviously or obama to an extent you meet on the common grounds well, yeah, I mean, listen, there, there's, a, there's a reason why Obama and Hillary are, quote, un- establishment Democrats, and why somebody like a Bernie 
is not. He's he's not part of the establishment. The reason why people can rationalize what Obama and Hillary do is because comparatively to the other side, they are reasonable and they are very uh, they are the only option at a certain point. So that's why you're able to rationalize. Like, yeah, Obama you know, was good in some areas, but he also drone struck a lot of people and killed a lot of kids. Yeah, yeah. but we can rationalize that. It's part of the war. It's part of this. Obama compromised on health care. Yeah, but he got something passed. True. You know, it's an issue of Hillary, right? I mean, yeah, she took money from the big banks, but she's better than Trump. Like, <laughs> yeah. you, can ra- you can find a way to rationalize all of it. You can find a way to rationalize things with Bernie, too. How good would Bernie be on foreign policy? I don't know. He doesn't have a ton of foreign policy experience, but it was a chance I was willing to take. I could rationalize that. It's, you know, again, at a certain point, and I think, I think you've asked before about, you know, how to talk to people that really completely disagree with you and maybe try to convince them. At a certain point, you're not going to convince people. You know, no, I think not. you need to make choices in your own life based on what you actually think is the right thing to do. Uh, you'll know that intellectually or in your heart, you'll know that what's the right thing to do is and go with that. You know, like don't shy away from that. And then when you're having these conversations, it's better to be loving. You're saying it's your family and friends. It's better to do it with love than to do it with fear or hate or anger or whatever. Mm-hmm. Cause that's never going to change anybody's mind. And I'm guilty of that too. You know, it's like, I can get into like a real argument and like get pissed off, but you know what? At the end of the day, it's still your family and friends. They love you for who you are and you, you do with them. And Hillary Clinton's just kind of at a certain point and Barack Obama and Trump and Bernie and all these people at a certain point, they are fictional. <laughs> like they don't really, they're not really a part of your life. We watch the, the TV, we read these articles, we pay attention to what they say and we go, Oh my God, that was terrible. Yeah. But you don't but, see them in the everyday. Yeah. But at the end of the day, you know, your family and friends are who you are around. And if you're not getting along with them, it doesn't matter who the hell the president is or, you know what I mean? Yeah. So you have to, at a certain point, just push as much as you can. Do it lovingly. Try to make a real point. And if it doesn't go anywhere, it doesn't go anywhere. But what are you going to do? You know, I mean, at the end of the day, it's like enjoy being around the people that you have around you because they're not going to be there forever. And and that's it. Do you really want to waste time, big chunks of time, like being mad over, you know, something you don't have much disagreements? Control right. It doesn't matter at uh, a certain point. What I would say is I think it's great that you're having the discussions. Yeah. And I would say go do the college. Try the best you can. However, if it's fruitless, then in my opinion, you should just try to steer the conversation. And I feel that if you plainly just say, I don't feel like talking about it, your fans and family would respect that. And as Chris said, there's no reason to get heated over it over and over and over again. Well, it's best to... Maybe just leave some things alone. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, look, there's going to be people, like, you know, there's going to be people sometimes in your life that you can't talk about everything with. You know, there's certain people that you go to, like, I have friends that I know I can go talk to about MMA. I'm not going to do that with my wife. I mean, I do, because I annoy her. But, <laughs> but you know what I mean? But like, there's certain people where it's like, well, they don't watch it. Set and setting. I so they're not going to be able to talk about it, yes. you know, to the same extent. There's going to be people in your life that you're going to run into that are going to want to talk about politics incessantly and get into it and really kind of hammer out the, you know, political, moral aspects of your life and all that stuff. And there's some people that won't necessarily be able to do that. Don't get mad at them uh, for being the way they are. 
you got to look back at yourself and go, well, why am I trying to force them to be more like me? They're them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a, there's a book I read about Buddhism or whatever. I forget what it was exactly, but the, I probably said it on the show, but there's a story, you know, in the book where it's like a guy walks into an office or whatever, walks into a room and there's another guy there. And the guy says, uh, move this desk. It's a marble desk. And the guy gets by the desk and he starts fucking pushing it. And he's trying to pick it up and he can't move it. And he looks at the guy and he goes, well, the desk is too heavy. And he goes, no, you're too weak. It's not the desk. The desk is the desk. Hmm. You can't move the desk. It's not the desk's fault that you can't move it. The desk is what it is. You have to look at your... And the point is, not that I'm saying you're weak. That's not my point. But my point is, don't blame the other thing or don't get mad at the other thing because at a certain point, the other thing is the other thing. You have to look at yourself and go, well, what am I doing? (laughs) Why am I allowing this thing to defeat me? Or why am I allowing this anger or whatever to... To To bother me so much. To bother me. Because that's your thing. You could be in a car and somebody could cut you off. Your options are to go... Okay, I saw that car. Fine, slow down. Don't hit it. You can honk. You go, hey, fuck you. You can shit. run it down. That's you. That's your choice. The thing happened. That person is that person. You, you're not going to change them. Pro- you know, I mean, yes, certain, certain, you can change people over time, whatever, but it's a process. <laughs> it's not just going to happen overnight. It's not going to happen with one conversation. So, you know, that's generally what I have to say about that. And I don't know. Got anything to add, Joey? I think we covered it and just keep fighting the good fight. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And meanwhile, the fact that you're even asking, you know, speaks volumes about you. It's like you're thinking about it. So keep thinking about it and you'll, you'll, you'll be fine. You know, you're a thoughtful person. Email Joey from an anonymous Samsonite. He knows who he is, but I told him he was like, don't use my name. So nah. anonymous Samsonite. Here we go. He says, dear man, Sam Crew, this will be brief because I have to write this in 15 minutes before a meeting. All right. Well, you know what? Why don't you just wait till after the meeting? Some people get, like to manage their time. All right. He's just rushing. He's not rushing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm fucking with you. On the topic of <laughs> Theresa May's idea of monitoring internet and whatnot, I would like to debate your guys' thought process. Liberals, by nature, as stronger within the subject of government control, whether it be health care, tax on high earnings, or guns. Uh, I really do lean left on high taxes and health care, but I cannot see the disconnect of monitoring the internet. In an age of total connectivity, it is important to at least monitor the spread of extremism. Hate speech can also stand to be limited at this point. All right. If a government wanted to tear through my endless search history, all the way to find some weird search history, and I find that completely okay. That argument, listen, that's a very common argument. People are like, search my shit. It's all good. Okay, probably it is. Maybe it's not. And, uh, you know... Maybe what's okay today is not okay tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And so when you get just because you're you think you're fine, maybe I'm not, maybe Joey's not, maybe whoever's not. And you're giving all of our rights away when you go, yeah, it's fine. Search my shit. I'm fine. Okay. But you, you're deciding for all of us then when you allow that to happen. So we all have to be on the same page about privacy and protecting our rights. You know, we all have to. I would rather be embarrassed because some random guy saw that I looked up some shit on browsers than be killed in an attack. Yeah. I mean, I hear that, but you know the odds are of getting killed in an attack? Very slim in this Mm. country, especially. I see no problem with someone sifting through my history during these times of war because there's an imminent threat that has to be controlled. Well, who who determines imminent threat? North Korea Korea right now, according to Trump, is like a real serious problem. Are they? We got to take motherfuckers' word for it, don't we? Mm -hmm. Well, okay. So that's a lot of... So for somebody that's saying right now that you don't necessarily want government control, well, you're putting a lot of government control 
You're putting a lot of trust in the government at that yeah, point. Yeah, you are. Right? But I think that once these times conclude, well, that's another point. If we keep letting things go this way, they're never going to conclude. They're just going to keep going. It's no, like, otherwise it's going to end. There's a perpe- well, no, but I'm saying, but there's a perpetual threat. There's always going to be a, p- a threat. So this will just keep going if we're going to keep choosing to let it go. Uh, but I think that once these times conclude, it would need to come to an end so I can watch freaky shit in private. <laughs> uh, all in all, what I'm trying to get at is if you have nothing to hide, why be annoyed by it? I understand that our forefathers said those who would give up essential liberty to purchase a little temporary safety deserve neither liberty nor safety. But we gave uh, we give up no liberty under these circumstances. All we give away is privacy. Well, as long as the government does not control but simply monitors the exchange of information, I see no problem with it. Let me know what you think, my sweet, sweet liberal friends. Mm. Uh, thank you. I appreciate the email. That's It's a good email. Very um, kind. Yeah, here's the thing. Governments and, and people in power... Never give back power. Obama, who I would take back immediately, kept all the powers that Bush put in place. He didn't return them. No, he didn't. He kept those powers. They don't give away power once they get it. So once you start giving them more power to look into your shit and do this and that and monitor, they're not going to give that back. And it is a check on liberty because, like you said, they can look through my search history. They might find some porn I looked at. I'll just be embarrassed, but it's no big deal. Okay, for you. But there might be somebody who is embarrassed by it, and then it might prevent them from doing that thing because they go, shit, somebody might see this. That's a chilling effect. That limits your now ability to have freedom of speech, your ability to just educate yourself, the ability to do research, to do whatever, to have curiosity. That puts a chilling effect on it, and, and that alone is a reason to be wary of this type of monitoring. Secondarily, I think it's cute to think that they're just monitoring mm. you know what i mean like yes look at what look at the protests look at the shit we talked about earlier they're tracking all this shit and then they're trying to use it to get and make an arrest or do this or do that also i'm just guessing based on the email you're white if you are muslim if you're black if you're whatever you might not think the same way you might you could have an identical search history as somebody who's a muslim and I guarantee it's going to be more of a problem <laughs> for the Muslim person. Like, I'd be way more concerned if I were Muslim in this country now than if I was, you know, I am white in this country, but if I, you know, whoever emailed in, it's going to be more of an issue, just them monitoring. Because what are they saving that data? Can they use it later? Yes. What if fucking, I just finished watching The Handmaid's Tale. What if we end up in a situation which, by the way, we got a lot of like really conservative Christians in, in the administration now. What if they decide at some point that like certain types of porn is now really illegal. We don't like feet. It's illegal. Okay. Well now your search history just has an illegal thing in it. That wasn't illegal yesterday. Things can be made retroactively illegal. Well, when you clamp down in times of terror and whatever, it just, it is an eroding of freedom. It is. Uh, but I understand it's a, it's a tough balance because yeah, like you said, you'd rather be looking at porn than getting killed in an attack. I get that. So would I, but what are the odds? And also, forget what are the odds. It's a ba- it's a balance, man. You, the, you're ah, whatever. Go ahead. Um, on to your point, the channel effect. Uh, what it comes down to me to about my right to privacy is I would be interested in who's looking at it and what they're doing with it. Because, for example, if I happen to want to search up on other religious 
uh, beliefs or other, um, you know, yeah, religions or what? No, like not what? Ma- no, oh. no. If I wanted to more, learn more about Islam, uh-huh. so I done the research of Islam, and someone who has my search history has a pre, uh, like predisposed to disliking people who might be open minded and looking at other religions. Yeah, might purposely gun for me now. No, 100%, right. So now I'm afraid because... Where they're searching I random keywords and they go, oh, yeah. this, this guy searches Islam a lot. Yeah. What's going on? Or terrorist shit. I could be searching for Osama bin Laden. Now I got a bunch of searches on my computer that says Osama bin Laden. This and that, 9-11. Like, you, you could be flagged for that, even though it is innocent. But why, why would you need somebody to show up at your house? But I'm more afraid of somebody using that information against me or like having a person of vendetta, but then again, well, why yeah, would but they? That, yeah, but, but that's that's a little different, but still privacy possible. Is privacy. I mean, that's the thing because there are just human beings that are going to be monitoring. And then even worse, it's even probably worse if it's just computers monitoring because they're just going to pick out keywords. Yeah, you know, they don't have the human intelligence. Like, oh, he was just looking for whatever. You know, like. And then you're probably going to have someone leaking the privacy to somebody else, and now you don't even know who's looking at your own stuff anymore. Yeah, well, but anyway, but to the back to the point, I mean, I hear what you're saying, but I think, you know, we, we should be leery of, of this amount of, when I hear somebody say we need to, you know, clamp down on the internet, essentially, I worry because, again, that is the really, like, one of the last, free things that we can do and even not because like you said it is being monitored anyway we know that from the Snowden disclosures we know that there's you know big corporations that are providing internet service and they have you know so there's a lot still to it but at least you have the ability to to freely search in this country and and you know do the research and educate yourself but but i think that stuff can go away too it could it always could we have to stay vigilant that's the thing it's like you just keep letting it chip away chip away chip away and let them take more power, let them take more power. Let Bank of America put their name on more buildings and more and whatever. And then before you know it, you're living in a country that is just owned by a handful of people and they have everything locked down. That's dystopian, but it's a rea- like it starts somewhere and it's mm. been going on for a long time and we can see it in the polarity in our elections and we can see it just all over the place. We can see the ramifications of that. And we can also see the ramifications of this inequality in wealth. Uh you know, it's a social... That was sort of the point about the LAX thing. It, it is a social um, problem. You know, there's different classes. Like, mm-hmm. like, now you go to the airport, it's like you don't even have to wait in the same line. They'll bring a TSA agent over to you, and they'll make sure you're fine and whatever. And like, go ahead, Mr. Duchovny. Go ahead, get on the plane. Yeah, but also you're paying at such a high premium that... I it's not that high for a rich... For a fucking celebrity, $7,500 a year and then $2,000 a flight over what the price of the ticket is. It's not that much money. I can't afford it. I can do it once, maybe. I wouldn't, but like fucking Sarah Jessica Parker can. The guy that owns Delta... Can I mean I guess he has his own plan, but you know what I mean. But yeah. it's like the, the very wealthy people can afford that. No problem. Why wouldn't you do it? It'd be stupid not to. It's a pittance. Mm. That's the point. So, but I, you can't. I'm not going to. Most people I know are not going to do that. So that's the thing. You know, it's 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 also creating these like whatever. We're, we're just rambling now, but it's creating these like social classes that are very far apart, and then you're creating an owner class and a a, a fucking. Subservient? Subservient class, yeah. So, anyway, 
Anonymous Samsonite, thank you. I appreciate your email. Guys, uh, thank you for writing in. Yes, Livy, thank you. Mackenzie, thank you as well. And uh, Ross, I apologize, but we will get to it next week. Speaking of next week, I think we're going to talk then. Uh-huh. We love you guys. We gave all of our plugs and blah, blah, blah. And we'll be back then. Bye. <laughs> This has been a Stand Up Labs production, powered by digital media. Subscribe to new and archived episodes wherever you listen to podcasts. And find all of our shows at StandUpLabs.nyc. Stand clear of the closing doors, please. No, we out.